Thank you that your glory comes as a gift and you are full of grace. Thank you that your grace is big enough to cover everything. And you just say, come, come home. Come home, my people. Because all I want to do is bless you. Father, thank you this morning that we come and worship you, the giver of all good gifts. Amen. Good morning. It's lovely to be with you this morning. It's lovely to be here and I get to speak on the journey that Abraham and Sarah are going on as they learn how to trust God. Um, I want to start by saying that um, what God promised, he did. It's good, that, isn't it? Right? Hold on to that. Right? What God promised, he did. Which means that what God promises, he does. Which means that what God promises he will do, he will do. Because it's present, or no, it's past, present, and continuous. What he promised, he did. What he promises, he will do. What he promises to do, he will do. It is past, present, and continuous. All the time. God is good. Let's read the passage that I'm going to speak to you about. And I want us to do some work this morning. So, if you have a Bible, open it, please, at Genesis chapter 21. If you don't have a Bible, um, Fran's standing at the back where there are a few, all right, if you want to go and get one. If you have your phone and you have the Bible app on it, or you can do Google it, then Google it, all right? I won't then ask you to show me your screen as we're going through in the first, all right, to make sure that you're actually reading the passage, all right? Genesis chapter 21 is what we're going to read together. And I want us to do some work on the passage by looking at what it teaches us about who Abraham and Sarah are and significantly and most importantly, who God is. Let's read the passage together. Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 to 7. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave him the name Isaac. To the son Sarah bore him. And when his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age? Who would have said? 
Who would have thought? You can hear her now, can't you? Can you picture her? She's sitting, nursing this little newborn. Isaac means laughter, one who laughs, or God smiles. Isaac is in her arms. Look at what happened when Abby and Tim came the last couple of weeks ago, when Reuben was just born, newborn, in our, in our midst. People were like, oh, can I have a look, can I have a look, can I have a look? Right? There is something about newborns that just instills in us a moment of going, they're just beautiful. It's partly because nothing's happened yet, all right? And they're just gorgeous. <laughs> and you can hold on to them, right? As an 11 and 13-year-old, mother of 11 and 13-year-old, I'm, anyway. So, but that's part of it. She's sitting there nursing Isaac, and she's looking, and she's going, who would have said? Who would have said? She's old, for goodness sake, and she's barren, for goodness sake. Who would have said? Right? That's what faith does. It witnesses to the goodness of God and causes us to say, who would have said? Now, you don't know this about Phil and I. This is my husband, Phil. I'm Anne-Marie. It's very nice to be with you this morning. We're part of this congregation. We have been for about four years. Uh, We actually got married in this congregation uh, quite a while ago. Um, And then uh, when we got married, um, we went and we lived in central London. And um, I had a flat in central London because I was teaching uh, in there, called, a place called Greycott Hospital. I was a religious education teacher there, love teaching. Secondary school, best ever, can't do primary, don't know what you do with them. Secondary, give me a difficult, you know, 13-year-old any day apart from my own. Okay, so, <laughs> right? <laughs> all right, so I... Loved teaching, loved living in central London. Phil, we got married. Phil came and joined me. Most people in this congregation went, oh, you're supposed to come out to Amersham. I went, no, we're going to London. Anyway, we're in central London, all right? And we need a place to live. And we, we ended up renting this most lovely apartment in the center of town. So literally, around the corner from the Houses of Parliament. All right, picture this. Right, central London, Westminster, really nice. Anyway. One of the agreements that we had with the lovely people, Jill and Martin, who we rented this flat off, was that uh, because it was cheaper, <laughs> we also had to agree, well, it, was hard, it wasn't a hardship really, but we agreed that if they wanted to come and stay, there was a spare room and they would just ring us, let us know, and they could stay any time they wanted. Um, that culminated in, after about a year or so of being there, they then talked to us and said, could you look after our daughter? Because she's come out of a really difficult time and we really trust you because we know you now. Would you mind if she lived with you for a year? We were like, no, it's fine, no problem. Spare room, not a problem. She, just let me tell you, she loved Phil, loved him. Really, you know, he would come home from work, she'd go, can I have a cup of tea? Can I get you anything? Right, me? Taxi service. Anyway, never mind. Preparation. Anyway, so, all right, so, Joe and, and Phil and I get on really well. She leaves. Then Jill, Jill and Martin come to us and they go, right, we, my brother is not doing very well and he's going through a really difficult time in his life. Would you mind if he came to live with you? No, no problem at all. No problem at all. It's, very, it's beautiful, it's lovely, you know, anyway. So, Hugh comes to live with It's more difficult with him, you know, older man, anyway going through a very difficult time in his life but you know he's there lovely six months later he goes about a couple of months after that (laughs) Jill and Martin say our son 
Tom. He's doing his gap year, and he'd really like to live in the centre of London. And you had such a great time with Joe. Would you mind? And we're going, no, of course not. I mean, genuinely, we didn't. It makes it sound like we were just like, uh, like a bed and breakfast. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, so we loved looking. At, we loved having them there, and it wasn't a hardship, and it wasn't a problem. Tom was delightful. Hardly saw him. Um, and anyway, what's that got to do with who should, who'd have thought? Who'd have said? I never pick up Hello magazine anymore, okay? Just, just so you know, right, got it here. I rarely pick it up anymore. I think that's partly because I don't live in central London anymore. It's like, you can't spot people. Anyway, but, all right, I was in the garage getting petrol, and Ava, my daughter, who's 11, will testify to this. This is exactly what happened, word for word. She was so mortified, it was embarrassing for her. I... I don't normally pick up hello. She was getting a comic. I went, oh, what's happened? What's on the front of the cover? And it said another royal wedding. And I thought, what? Another one? I didn't know there was another one. I thought we'd had one more. And I didn't look at the cover. I just went straight to the inside pages and blow me. Jill and Martin are sitting next to the Queen <laughs> because their daughter, sorry, their son, Tom, sorry, their, daughter, their son, Tom, had got married to Gabriella Windsor <laughs> and it's on the front page of Hello. I'm going, we never kept in contact. We could have been there. I could have seen Harry. Sorry. All right. Calm. Right. Okay. Now. All right. Bear in mind, I'm in, the, I'm in public in a petrol station, all right? And Ava's going, shush, mom, be quiet. And I'm just like going, but it's Tom. Claim to fame, he left a pair of shorts behind, Phil still has them, right? <laughs> <laughs> and just so you know, just so you know, contacted her immediately next day. <laughs> Went, chill, chill, seen you in hello. <laughs> We're going to see them a couple of weeks' time. Anyway, if you want the lowdown, I'll tell you everything after I see her. Ava, Ava, Ava wanted to know whether the Queen would be there. I said, no, 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 no. But anyway, uh, however, in the photograph, I just, you can't really see it very well because I wanted to put the family portrait because I want you to understand. Okay, you can't see it, right? Later on, you can come up closer. Okay. Far left, person in the kind of like the kind of ivory, grey silk. That's Joe. She lived with us for a year. We were at her wedding. <laughs> right? I know the children. They're all the bridesmaids. I know them. But never mind. Okay, leaving that aside, who would have thought that Tom Kingston, our little Tom, <laughs> our little Tom, would be on the front cover of Hello? Can't believe it. In that moment, all right, I wanted to share that with everybody and tell them, we knew him. No, no, no him. No him. The point is, all right, that... Sarah is sitting there with Isaac and she's going, who would have thought? Who would have said? And you know what? This is a walk of faith that has been hard and difficult and complicated and a mess, right? And she still was able to say, I want to just sit here and just go, who would have said? I want you to take a moment and I want you to think. You're sitting here in this beautiful auditorium on this gorgeous day. Um, 
and I want you to think about who you can thank for being here. When you can turn to people and go, who'd have said we'd be here in this moment, loving Jesus? Now, as you can tell, I quite like a good story. <laughs> I like finding out about the characters. I like um, finding out what happens. Um, many people would say that that's what I'm like when I talk to individuals. I want to learn about people. I want to hear their story. Because in the end, I think when we talk to each other and we hear our stories, we just rehearse things that have happened and we go, yes, yes. And we make connections. And that's what I love about reading about the story of Abraham and Sarah. And why? Why? Why, why is the story in there? Do you know Isaiah? Isaiah 51 says this. Listen to me. If you fear the Lord and you want to seek him and you want to understand him, it says in Isaiah 51 verse 2, Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you were hewn, look to Abraham, your father, and Sarah, who gave you birth. When I called them, it was but one, and I blessed them and made them many. Isaiah exhorts us to look at the story of Abraham and Sarah, to read this story and learn and understand it. In the New Testament, Abraham is mentioned 72 times. Every single gospel writer, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, talk about Abraham because Jesus spoke about Abraham and Sarah. 1 Peter talks about Abraham. 2 Corinthians talks about Abraham. Acts talks about, Stephen talks about Abraham in his, in his preach. In Hebrews, it says that Abraham is the father of faith. Probably one of the most famous ones is Romans chapter 4, where Paul says, Abraham is the father of us all. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed and became the father of many nations. So why? Why are we to look at the story of Abraham and Sarah and what can we learn from this? Right? The promise. For both Abraham and Sarah, and you have to, you have to when you read the story, you have to look at how God promises... And he gets more and more and more specific each time. Right? In Genesis 12, God says to Abraham, leave your country, go to the land I will show you. Which Abraham does. When he's already old, God speaks to Abraham that he'll be the father of nations so he's supposed to leave his country and go to another place, which he does. But Abraham and Sarah are already old. And they don't have children. So how is this going to work? Genesis 12, verse 7, Abraham has God appear to him again. He says, to your offspring, I will give this land. Now, we already know when Phil preached a couple of weeks ago that Abraham then blew it. <laughs> Having left and gone to the land he was supposed to, he then got scared and ran away <laughs> and went the opposite direction of where he was supposed to be. 
and feel invited just to remember that we return to the Lord and call on him and he'll, and he'll speak to us, which is exactly what happened. So God said, rely on my promise. Trust me, I know what I'm doing. At this point, having messed up, come back to God, Abraham rescues his, uh, his um, nephew Lot and, uh, because he got into trouble. And he does so by calling on God and asking for help. So you're thinking, yes, here we go. Right. So left, gone back to the right place. Now he's walking in faith, doing things he's supposed to, praying and seeing things change because God said, hold on to the promise. He also, right, it's been told then in Genesis 15, not just I will give you offspring. He's then told a son is coming from your own body. And Abraham's like going, okay, all right, hang on a minute here. Right? We've moved. We've done what you told us. You've told me I'm going to have offspring. Okay. And then you've told me I'm going to have a son. How's that going to work? So you can, you can hear, right, in him going... Uh, 15 verse, chapter 15, verse 2, he says, what reward can you give me? I'm childless. What do you mean I'm going to have a son? It just doesn't make any sense. And God comes back at him and says, a son will come from your own body. And he's like going, I don't get it. I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. And yet I know that I should trust you. At that moment, as Julian talked to us a couple, two weeks ago, God appears to him supernaturally. I've told you, hold on to my word. Now I'm going to appear to you and show you my glory so that you believe. And you can hear Abraham afterwards going, yes, yes, right, yes, 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 I've got it now. Yes, I'm going to hold on to this, Okay. And Sarah comes to him and goes, take my maidservant and that will be the child that you have because that will be your offspring. Okay? And Abraham's right, yes. And Abraham, I love the, I love the verse. He goes, and Abraham agrees with Sarah. Right, let's do that. Let's do that. Right, okay. Right, so, so now he has a child, right? And God comes to him in, verse, in chapter 17 and goes, I said you would be a father of many nations. Verse 7, I established my covenant between you and me and your descendants after you. Verse 15, and God said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she is the mother of nations. Verse 19, even more specific, your wife, Sarah, will bear a son and you will call him Isaac. And this time next year, he will be born. And then chapter 18, further proof, God says, I will return this time next year and you are going to have a son by Sarah. And you can hear Abraham going, Right? They're doing everything they're supposed to do. They're entertaining strangers. They're welcoming people in. 
They're giving hospitality. They're giving, they're, they're using their flocks appropriately. They're blessing other people around them. Because God said he'd be a blessing to nations. So Abraham's being a blessing to nations. He's prayed, he's prayed for a king to, have, to be blessed. He's doing what God's told him to do. But the central promise that God made to him, he's like going, it's not going to happen. I can't see how this is going to work. God promises, I will return to you. What's their response? They've already run away. They've lied twice, really badly, because Abraham said that Sarah was his sister. So, you know, he wouldn't get into trouble. He lied about his own wife. She went, oh yeah, let's go along with that. Yes, okay. They're both complicit in this. They provide their own solution by suggesting that Hagar should bear a son. Abraham's laughed. God said, I'm going to bless you. And Abraham's just gone, I don't know how you're going to do this because I can't see this happening at all. And Sarah has laughed scornfully. When God comes to her, when God comes to Abraham, in chapter 18, and um, they sit and they have a lovely time having a meal together. And God's promised the son. In chapter 18, verse 15, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent. And Abraham and Sarah were already old. and She was well past the age of childbearing. And Sarah laughed to herself and she thought, I'm worn out. My master is old. I'm not going to have this pleasure of a son. And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? And say, did I, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too wondrous for God to do? I will return to you at the appointed time and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah lied and she said, I, I, I didn't laugh. And God said, yes, you did. She was scornful. Abraham is sitting there going, I can't see how this is going to work out. Sarah's there going, you can't possibly use me. I'm dead. I'm doing the outward stuff. There's nothing in here that's going to bear fruit. And God says, I will give you a son. And in chapter 21, it opens by saying, just as we've read, the Lord was gracious to Sarah. As he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. He held his word and he was gracious, even though she lied point blank to his face and said, no way is this possible. He provides an heir who will bless the nations. And Sarah Sarah sits there with Isaac in her arms and goes, who would have thought? And suddenly the scoffing, the bitterness, the you can't use me, it's gone. It's disappeared. Because she sits there and she goes, Who would have thought? So much so, she says, everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. Because who would have thought? 
that God has fulfilled his promise and done it this way. He's done it this way. Now, in our back garden, there are two posts that Phil has put in the, gar- in the, in the ground. And there's a bit that goes across, so it's like an H, very tall H, because they are Ava's gymnastics um, poles. She's wanted them for ages. And we eventually um, conceded them her birthday. Phil planted these poles in the ground, put a bit of concrete in, all right? And uh, they, they wobble a bit. <laughs> but they they hold her, right? which is just as well because she does flips on them. She's she's made a swing. She's invented all these kind of little routines that she does on them. And the other day, Phil's mum was sitting in the garden with us, and she went, "Do you think they'll hold?" Right? <laughs> of course they do, right? Because Ava trusts that these poles are going to take her weight, and that whatever flips and etc. antics she does on them, they will hold. In this moment, right, like Abraham and Sarah, we have a choice. We can scoff at God's promises. And we do. Did, did God really say? Did God really say that? Did he really say that? Are we really supposed to do that? Is that what we're supposed to do? Or we testify to the goodness of God in the land of the living and we turn to the people around us, our fellow believers and those who do not believe, and we say, would you believe it? Let me tell you a story. Who would have thought? Who would have said? We have an opportunity with thy kingdom come. And uh, Aaron's going to try and put this slide up for me just to focus on what our church is doing right now. Our country is in a mess politically. There's no two ways of saying anything about that. We're in turmoil. And um, the Conservative Party, I don't know how many candidates is up to now, and they're trying to figure out how to reduce the number. And we're saying, govern us, because we want to trust you, right? And we're going, we're not sure what decision we've made politically. So that's just our own nation, let alone the debacle that's occurring between America and Iran and what's happening politically with that, let alone the fallout of what's happening with China and how they're taking resources from all the different countries. And we're supposed to steward our our world because we're supposed to not put so much plastic in the universe. So these are big issues. And David Nussbaum talked to us a little while ago about what it means to be stewards, is to, to do what we can, in our moment, and also be aware of what we can do globally, right? So there are things that we can do. And then we can turn around and go, who'd have thought? Right? There is a solution here. We are going through political turmoil. In years to come, they'll turn around and they go, who'd have thought? Right? What we need to pray for now are people of integrity being able to rise up in government, people of integrity and people of wisdom who can speak wisdom into this circumstance and situation. And that's what we prayed last week as a congregation. We want to pray that God's goodness will be known in our nation. 
We want to pray that God's rule and reign, his kingdom comes because that means that people are blessed. I want people to be blessed. I want our nation to fall at their knees and go, yes, Lord, you are God. And those Ten Commandments that sit over the House of Commons, when people walk in and out, that's true. We hold those. And we understand that our neighbours don't believe the same as we do, but we can still talk to them and we can pray with them and we can offer the goodness of God. I want to know that in thy kingdom come, it says specifically each day, what you can do for the five people that you are praying for. On the second day, it absolutely blew me away. The second day, it said, imagine the five people you're praying for standing with you before the throne of God. I just went, oh wow, now that I can pray for. Because that's nothing to do with me, (laughs) in a way. That's just God working. So I've got to pray that God will work in their lives. Yes, I can do that. And then it comes to our part. We are to testify to God's goodness. This story, if it says anything about faith, is it says, tell others that they may be blessed. Isaac was born that the nations would be blessed. We are to tell a story that Jesus has saved us and brought us out of darkness into light that others would know. This is not for us to keep and secretively hold on to. That worship this morning was for everybody to come into and know the glory of God. Know the presence of the Lord. Know what it is to sit at the foot of the cross and go, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I've done. I've come back to you, God, and I will keep on trusting. On Sunday, it's Pentecost Sunday in the Anglican church calendar. And the idea is that the culmination of thy kingdom come this week of prayer is that the doors of cathedrals are thrown open. Because in our country, cathedrals are looked upon as big empty spaces. And God's going, nah, that's where I sit. That's where I'm present. Because they were built for my glory. And the idea is that the churches are overflowing, that the cathedrals are overflowing, and there's too many people wanting to get in. And it's a testimony that God is good, that God is good, that God is good. This story is about saying God is good all the time. And his promises are yes and amen through Christ Jesus. And in in the New Testament it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, No mind can even conceive of the goodness that God God has planned for each one of us. People, we are to enjoy prayer together. We are to enjoy worship together. And we are to testify. So I have a job for you this week. If you belong to a small group, your job is in your small groups, if you don't mind me saying this, you might have planned things already. I would like you to give time for people to testify. Either telling their testimony of how they came to the Lord and reminding them of who helped them along the way, or testify to God's goodness and there's something that's happened that this week. Literally, tell each other the stories of God's goodness. And then pray for those five people who you've got on your list to know God's goodness. If you are not in a small group, but you're coming along to help at Big Day Out, then I want you to start praying now for the people that you're going to meet. Who are you going to encounter on that day that you can say, come, welcome, it's lovely to have you. We get hundreds of people through those gates. Hundreds. 
literally, right? I'm not joking, right? Who do we want to see God bless on that day? Start praying now for those encounters that you're going to have, that you would be a blessing to those people. If you are not helping on big day out because you're somewhere else, I'm sorry, Jane. Paul, right? Okay. If you're not helping, but you are somewhere else, right? This week, I want you to think about the five people that you're praying for to come to the Lord and be praying continuously. I want to encourage you to do that because part of it will be your testimony. You are to testify. You are to say, I'm praying for you, or you are to come alongside, or you are to give a, a, a phone call or a welcome to who it is that you are praying for. It doesn't matter which position you take in, that, in those three different things, whether you've got an inner small group, whether you're on your big day out, or whether you're not and you're going to pray, or whether you're all three, okay? The point is we're praying for God's blessing to come to those who do not yet know him because that's our job. Who would have said? So this time next week, you sit there in the congregation in our worship and we just go, who would have said? Who would have thought? Who would have, who would have imagined that which we can testify to? Hold on to God because his promises are yes and amen through Christ Jesus. He is always trustworthy. In the midst of the difficulties, we do not we do not belittle those and we do not push them to one side. We say, in the midst of this, help me to testify to your goodness, God, that others would be blessed. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you that your word goes out and it always bears fruit. I thank you that when we look at you, when we look at you, when we read your word, you are always gracious. You are always kind. You are always, always able to speak into our situations. Father, thank you that your word is true and that when we hold that in our circumstances, we see your blessing and your glory. Lord, this week, as we sing together now, and as we pray for those people in our hearts, and even if we haven't had them in our minds, Lord, now, would we just lift to you those who have helped us on our way and say thank you for them. Those who we want to see blessed by you. We name them before you and ask for your glory to fall, that we would stand before your throne with them, worshipping you. And ultimately, Father, would this all be for the glorious name of Jesus? Because he is good all the time. Amen. Amen. Amen.